2: Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers, and navigating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Phillips, and with me, with his brand new pink chair, is Jim Daly. (laughs) Yeah, I have got a brand new pink, it sounds like a euphemism of some sort. Like Papa's got a brand new bag. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Daly's got Uh, a brand new chair.
3: It's a very comfy chair. I
2: can't, Mm. it's from Habitat.
3: Oh, God. That's the most middle-class thing I've ever said. Um, It's a Habitat chair. It's very nice. And uh, I put it together myself, which took literally all day. Mm. Uh, But I'm quite proud of myself because I'm not a DIY person at all. And I've made this happen. And so far, the wheel has only fallen off once. So, uh, so that's, that's pretty
2: successful. <laughs> Stuck back on with Blue tack. Um <laughs> uh, Habitat's an interesting one, isn't it? Because they were they used to have loads of stores. We used to have one in Brighton, a Habitat. And then mm. I think they got kind of rebranded as Shabitat by consumers because the stuff that. fell apart. Um, oh, no. But they, it was cool. It was, I think it was – I've got to go into the history of Habitat now. I think it was the designer Conran that was big kind of um, – yeah, it was, it was his company, I think. Anyway, they've come back into life. I think they sort of went away and now they, I think like you can, other stores are stocking their stuff and obviously you can get stuff online now. So that's great. So if they want to sponsor the podcast. Yeah. Uh, they, we won't they, call you Shabbatat. No, we won't. We'll
3: think of a better, we'll think of a better, a better copy there. Uh, but yeah, I'm in my nice new chair, feeling comfy. Mm. Uh, I don't have to, I'm not breaking my back now. It's only been a year that I've been looking for a new so, chair. I'm not breaking so wind. Uh, I'm not. Well, I might be. You don't yeah. I know. I, I can yeah. eat myself. Um, yeah, that's a weird image. Anyway, but I'm feeling good. It's an ergonomic chair, so obviously, hopefully, that means it'll help my back feel better and stuff. Uh, so I'm feeling quite. I'm feeling quite good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I know you've got a you. We. I know you've got a nice chair because we've spoken about chairs. Yeah, have before. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen it, and I've, I looked at a, a chair similar to yours mm-hmm. actually, and there was one similar one
2: there mine's a bit a yeah mine i guess mine's a little bit more kind of businessy looking like um corporate. i'd say yours, is, I'd say yours is,
3: no i'd say yours is
2: actually more stylish i think yours well it's is a more, bit more yeah it's probably more 50s i think it was actually said it was more of a 50s deco style
3: if um, i walked in this to, is terrible for the um, listeners because they can't actually it, see if, it. yeah if i walked into the lobby of quite a posh hotel i wouldn't be surprised to see your chair okay there,
2: Does that make sense? Like, sort of like a quite. A I think the, the yeah, the, the, the manager of the hotel's probably got one of these chairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got a real strong manager vibe about you at the yeah. moment. <laughs> Come into my office. You're fired. <laughs> um,
3: yeah. 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 The Alan Sugar of the blank <laughs> podcast, which I guess makes me the Karen Brady, I guess. I don't, yeah. not really, I don't watch it. No, I don't. Um, right. Anyway, we've got a wonderful guest on this week comedian vic slayton um who is absolutely fantastic and um it's a really uh i'd almost say life-affirming episode this actually because she talks we talk a lot about jobs and boundaries and making changes in your life
2: and uh, i think it's a lot of stuff that anyone who uh, in any industry
3: listening would be able to relate to
2: yeah absolutely yeah i love vic she's so such a great person and um, you and i've both been guests on comedy arcade which is her brilliant uh Podcast. Yeah, do listen to it. It's a fantastic podcast. Yeah, it's really great. And um, yeah, and it's just fascinating talking to Vix because obviously she's sort of coming to comedy quite late on, in her sort of mid to late 30s, and you know, just negotiating. The, the industry and obviously she talks about a lot of the obviously the, the pitfalls of it but also yeah. the supportive networks yeah. that are within it as well which is really great to hear actually um because a lot of creative industries you don't hear that so much so it's really lovely that comedy people sort of do kind of help each other out which is really lovely um and she's just a lovely person it's really really nice to talk to her really easy to talk to i mean this, this absolutely this hour and something
3: flies by because she's just so easy to talk to and she's very engaging and, and very funny and just and a great storyteller so i think you can get a vibe from what her stand-ups like as well from this episode as well mm. so so if she's playing near you do go and check her out i believe she said i hope it's okay to say this that her brighton fringe tickets will be on sale now by the time this episode has gone mm. live um so she is performing um, at the walrus in brighton do go check it out uh, i'm guessing from her website or just Google Vic Slayton or find her on Twitter. I'm sure yeah. details are there, but do go and check her out. If I could also do a bit of promo for my get, Museum of Comedy gig, Giles, because that is this week, this oh, Thursday. Yes. 7pm uh, at the Museum of Comedy, um, Thursday 24th of March. Uh, please do come along. Uh, I'm doing my solo show, the same show that I'm taking to Edinburgh this year, hopefully. Uh, and that I did a few times last year. It's called Jim Daly Football and Fatherhood. And it's about f- football and fatherhood. It's I just... That's what it says in the tin. Um, but it's a sweet, it's a sort of sweet, heartwarming show. I think it, it, it's, uh, it, it's how I've tried to write it and I'm very proud of it. Um, so tickets are eight quid for Museum of Comedy um, or two for 12. Which is a bit of, what, a, what a discount that is if you use the discount code Cascarino, as in Tony no, Cascarino. You great to pay for discount code name. Yeah. And it all is explained, Giles, now you've seen the show, it all is explained for the Cascarino thing in the show. But yeah, put that in the discount code at the Museum of Comedy website and uh, you'll get two, two, two tickets for 12 quid. So that's at museumofcomedy.com um, and then you just go to what's on and scroll down to March 24th and I am there. So please do come along if you're London based. It'd be uh, lovely to see you. Definitely. Definitely go. It's a brilliant show. Thanks, man. That rhymes. Um, there you go. Should have got used to the marketing. Um, shall we, speaking of marketing, do a really quick – well, I'm going to do a tweet, but
2: I think you've got um, some Amazon book reviews. Yeah, we thought we'd do some reviews this week because we, uh, for those who might not know, maybe new listeners or people that haven't um, decided to invest in uh, a book recently, well, we've got a book. It's called Blank, Why yeah. It's Fine to fall to and Found How to Pick Yourself Up Again. You can buy it in all good bookshops. You could also get the audiobook yes. in all good audio places bookstores <laughs> um yeah so yeah you can you can if you want to hear us reading it you can or you can um buy the book if you want the traditional route but yeah i thought we'd be thought it'd be quite nice to read out a couple of reviews we've got here yeah go uh, for it. this one's from anya marsh she says okay i'm a busy person i've literally no spare time on my hands so reading books takes me a bit longer than it should except this one this one i read in one night i could not whoa. put it down to the annoyance of everyone who <laughs> required my attention <laughs> it is absolutely brilliant thought-provoking but not in a heavy way i must read and reread and reread definite five stars whoa that's
3: i think that's my favorite review we've ever had for anything yeah because that's such a relatable review because i feel the same way about
2: the sort of time as well but um yeah thank you so much that, that's lovely mm. to hear yeah, I've got. I'd like to read one more if I can. This is Karen Andrews. Uh, she says a co. So the, the the topic is a cozy blanket for the soul. And she says I, I oh. never really read a book like this before. Most of my literature shows the bad side of humanity. This book is all about the good. Life is pretty awful right now, and this book is a shining light in the darkness and a good giggle.
3: Oh, lovely! Wow, this is some lovely reviews. Yeah, that's so nice. I'm glad. Maybe we should are really... do this every week. Probably should do, actually. It's a nice little confidence booster. Um, I've got a tweet here Mm -hmm. um, from uh, Chanel Titterington. Great name. Um, And she says, I'm really enjoying Blank Pod. There's been some great guests on that have been relatable and extremely interesting. Phil Wang made me chuckle. Plus, I love finding a diverse grocery shop. Yes. And Russell Peters is hilarious. So uh, lots of things that have resonated with Chanel. Uh, And then she's tweeted a photo. Of her with a can of. Can you remember what uh, Phil oh, was talking about? Beginning with an M. Milo. Milo. That's or it. Or Milo. I don't know it's if I green. Is it right. green? It's green. Yeah, it's green. Yeah. Um, and she's put P.S. Not bought in Peckham because I know <laughs> <laughs> Phil was talking about his favourite uh, diverse shop in Peckham. But uh, yeah, so Chanel, thank you. That's a lovely tweet. Really appreciate you getting in contact.
2: Yeah, thank you, Chanel. Yeah, so if anyone does want to get in contact, they can. They can ping us a message at our various different handles. Normally yeah. starting with blank pod. Yeah, well they're all the same aren't they yeah twitter facebook instagram all yeah. at blank pod and that's how to get
3: in contact with us yeah. so we'd love to hear you know any bits you've enjoyed from any episode please do get in contact but this is an episode i'm sure you're going to love as well uh, this is the one and only vic slayton on the blank podcast <laughs>
0: By staying in the meeting, you can send to be recorded. All right, then. Uh, I, yeah, that, is that
2: a new thing? Because I, I, I think because I feel like I always host the Zoom meetings. And then yeah. so I, the other day, I was a yeah. sort of a guest on a Zoom meeting and I had to press that button. I didn't realise that came up.
0: Only when you're recording, so not when ah, you're just part of the meeting. It's just so people can't, like, catch you out, I guess.
3: Yeah. I'll be Without honest. Consent. I just I just clicked okay. I didn't read it. I never read anything
2: yeah. that pops up ever. So I don't know what I've just like, agreed to. We've just um found out all your bank details. Uh would you like to allow this transaction? Charles, okay. good luck to you. Good luck to you if you found my bank details. I actually do have your bank details.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you actually genuinely do. So Yeah, loads
0: to... of charity standing orders.
3: Really yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking it. yeah, it's a We're it's a cool. wasteland.
0: We're all quite liberal with our bank details of comedy. I'm just always so grateful that anyone wants to pay me anything at all. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, here they are. Yeah. yeah,
3: same. Although you always go down the cash and hand route if you can. Always Send can. me
0: my seven quid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Give me that envelope with three
2: pounds in it, please.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love having money pressed into my hand. Oh, it feels like, oh, it's, cool.
2: of it's so, like, so good. Um, I do miss, in some respects, um, I used to do a cleaning job and actually getting a little pay packet with all the... Like workings out on it, yeah. And it was—I remember the person that did it. Did it in like they wrote it by hand as well. It wasn't printed or anything. Wow. So they do. You raged yourself so badly there.
0: You know what? Though I was talking Mm. yesterday about allocated (laughs) on arrival holidays. Remember, we used to just go. Yeah, pay £400, just roll the dice, roll the dice, see what happens when you turn up. That used to be a thing. There was teletext holidays, and then what followed teletext Teletext. holidays... now we're going back. ...was allocated on Arrival, where you had, it said, it's definitely got an outdoor pool, it's three-star, it's going to be this, and you had to get on this, like, coach and play roulette, and you'd pull up to really nice hotels, and your parents would be all like... My parents be like twitching, like "Is this us?" And inevitably, it wasn't. It was like some kind of murder shed right the coach at the just end. drive like, on. Oh look, it's the beach! It's like, oh, we go back to the we go back to the airport. Like, why did in this era now of like TripAdvisor, the idea that we just thought, sure, give it a give it a whirl. What's the worst that can happen?
3: <laughs> I, guess, I guess it adds a bit of uh, excitement to your holiday, doesn't it? Adds a you little know, bit of free son.
0: Yeah, not the right kind, though, because you really won. The reason that these allocated on arrival <laughs> hotels existed is because it was to fill, like, inventory that wasn't full. So yeah. it was the ones that nobody wanted in the brochure. Yeah. <laughs>
3: it was a spare store cupboard. They were like, yeah. fuck it, we can get a few hundred quid out of this one.
0: So people would say, oh, you're not working class because you went on foreign holidays. It's like, no, no, we paid the price of Butlins for some completely random yeah. murder <laughs> destination somewhere in mainland Spain. So.
2: Look, there's nothing wrong with Butlins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Since
0: it's overpriced for what it is, though. It
2: is overpriced, but you do get the entertainment. Come you on. Do,
0: for all
3: uh, Butlins comes up ridiculously often on this podcast. It's amazing how often Butlins
2: is suddenly mentioned by someone. I don't remember it is interesting that it comes up a lot. Maybe we're, really maybe a lot of our guests have appeared at Butlins. Um not yet, right, but not if yet. I work
0: hard and try my best, yeah, I have like yeah, one day. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we when we first the children were really young we used to go to Buckland's quite a lot with them I mean the entertainment yes. is shite
0: but it's it's knowingly shite isn't it you're all in yeah, on the joke yeah, yeah, basically yeah. if you weren't paying £8 a pint you wouldn't mind it's just
2: I don't know if of some of the performers were in on the joke actually <laughs> I think some of the performers were quite um, yeah they. I think they took it quite seriously some of them some of them not all of them but I think some of them
0: it's yeah. a
2: living. It's, a, it's living, a living. And I guess it's, it's not, bit, it there's was, work, uh, There's far worse things to do.
3: Yeah. It was, it was a bit of a, uh, it was a sort of well trodden path, wasn't it? Trusting yeah. A lot of performers. So who knows where they are now? Who knows where those people that you saw at Butlin's are now, Charles? My mum was at Butlin's
0: red coat. Apparently, she was working there when Elvis died. I don't think the timelines match up, but in her mind, it is bang on truth. My mum is a, a self-gaslighter like self of the highest order. Did the way she get to
3: that? Yeah, God, it it sounded like Elvis died in Butlins, <laughs> yeah, it did, yeah, sure
2: isn't true. She was she there the night he that. died. Yeah, he was doing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was doing, <laughs> doing <minutes> Hound Dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: she used to work in a club in Cardiff called The Top Rank, and... Um, she the act she told me appeared there, and some of them are true, but some of them she's just completely just <laughs> fabricated from maybe hearing stories about it, or and she genuinely believes it. She's a brilliant raconteur, my mum, but yeah, it's she's a faulty witness. So she's like, yeah, Diana Ross and the Supremes came one one week. I was like, Did they? Did they? yeah, but I see, I find <laughs> Michael I Jackson. Some... I was like,
3: yeah, yeah. Sure <laughs> yeah Elvis sure. died. Um, yeah. I, I I I sometimes do that and not but not on purpose or or sometimes someone will say something like do you remember when that happened and i'm like did it and so my sometimes my mind is so bad i can't so i can imagine being in a getting to a space where you do start to sort of like tell stories like that and, and half think like that could have happened i just can't remember i don't yeah. know if this is a memory
0: thing <laughs> yeah so she's yeah she's brilliant she's good friend. can
2: Pink i can i ask has she still got her red coat was she able to keep it
0: Um, I don't think she has. We've been through several house moves. Um, It feels
2: like you should be able to just have that forever.
0: Just pass it down and what? Like a, like a legacy, like a, like a knight, like a knighthood in the family. Just like take on the the red coat, turn up at any Butlins and be like, I am allowed to perform. This is my heritage. It's my birthright. You let me on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It should be like for like a free admission almost. You know, I've got, you've got the, you're in the, in the circle.
0: Maybe. Yeah. I went to, I did a gig in Bognor Regis the other day. So we I've had a ah, lot Ah, that's the Butlins, Butlins chat. that I to. Yeah. That's the iconic Butlins. Yeah. So yeah. It's uh, yeah. How did so you f- like in, in Butlins. I was like, "No, no, in a pub." No. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, how did you find Bognor? Cuz Jim went there recently as well.
0: I only went... Yeah. I literally went to the venue and then back again. In
2: night, That's probably so. the best way to do it, it was, yeah. to be honest. It's one,
0: so. of those, it's one of those weird ones. And I was, it's, it was good, and it was good fun, but because I don't have a car, and I, I also can't drive, so even if I had a car, that would not help me in the scenario. Um, you rely a lot on lifts from other comedians to get to out of town gigs. And yeah. as a woman in comedy, you have to sort of go about and ask people and be like, um, guys, firstly, is this person fun in the car? Will I enjoy two hours with them? And sec- secondly are they all right? Because, and it's yeah. such a weird scenario to be in as a, as a woman where you just have to kind of gamble on these lifts and, they, you know, most, are mostly, almost all comedians and people are fine and they're really good fun. They might be boring in the car. So the answer to question A might not always be the right answer. It might be like, no, take a podcast, take some talking points because it's <laughs> going to be dry. But it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing that you kind of have to ask these questions now to sort of safeguard yourself. But, it's yeah. yeah, it's a funny old time to be a woman in general, I think, not just a woman in comedy, but it's one of those jobs where you notice it more starkly because you do a lot of late night gigs and you, you know, you just get paired with people, really. Yeah. And it's like, oh well, this person's driving, so just hop in that car and then you catastrophize because obviously yeah. the news has been awful over the last yeah. 18 months. And you're like, Oh, the worst case scenario is uh, this 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 could happen to me. I'm I'm trusting mm. a stranger effectively, but yeah, fortunately, there are sort of good networks in place where you can just sort of double check everyone, and even people that you you, you think that there's absolutely no reasons doubt, you've just got to, you've got to be doing these checks. So yeah, it's, it's quite I it's mean, quite depressing that you can't trust. Yeah. Just trust like the the worst that's going to happen is we've got nothing in common, and they're going to tell me that vaccinations will make me an alien. Like that, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you take that, you're like, I'll take that. It's okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, that's not it, depra- that's not the experience of of blokes basically in comedy. I think I've never had to, when I was getting lifts, never had to worry about that. And then once I decided to start driving to gigs, I mean, I sort of like like being on my own anyway, but like it was just giving me sort of like the power to do that. But I remember I I drove Sophie Hagen to a gig years ago in Cardiff. They were a great uh, passenger and we chatted loads and we, and we, and really got on well. But I remember they said to me, I asked around beforehand about Jim Daly. Hadn't met before. Yeah. And the, the feedback I got was, "Jim is the nicest guy in comedy." And I remember Aww. thinking at the time, "That's great." Didn't say funniest, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, take, it. Get, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it.
0: I get it. that all the time. I get like, "Oh, you work really hard." And I'm like, "No, I don't want. I don't want to be seen as someone who works hard. I want to see, be seen as someone who's effortlessly good." Like this is not. <laughs> yeah. This is not the. Uh, this is not the positive feedback you think it is because I am obviously in comedy, so I am. Deeply flawed as a human being, so I can't <laughs> take things in the spirit that they're intended. So, <laughs> exactly,
3: all we want to be is all we want is just to be told we're funny. We don't, want, literally, that is all we it's not None difficult the soft skills, please. No. I don't care
0: that I'm fun in the green no. room, no. Just, just no. that's what just
3: and, the, and, the, and the times you, you are, you really cling on to it. When someone says, like, oh, you were really funny tonight, I think about that for weeks, like, <laughs> it's just like you really can, <laughs> that's all we want. We're just, we're just, we're just, uh, we are fragile beings and we it just want be, a little yeah. bit of love
0: but like a hundred people could say to you yeah you did great and then one person will be like mm, it's not for me but you know <laughs> hope you had a good night and that'll be the one that i think about yeah oh, well they
3: go uh, they go you look like you were really enjoying that <laughs> and you
0: think yeah. no well, your material was really interesting
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah did you have fun up there well now i didn't no thanks very much for that Pack candies <laughs> <Slap>. so yeah <laughs>
2: Cause you you've come into comedy sort of fairly i' not fairly late I was gonna say which sounds again it's one of those comments maybe that's not appropriate but no, yeah it's
0: absolutely true and it's it's something that's on my mind I was talking to a comedian friend about this again like because male comedians i guess you don't necessarily see the landscape the way that that women yeah. do and yeah. I started at thirty five and at thirty five I guess Technically, I've got a rich field of material that I can draw from. So I've lived a chaotic and ridiculous life. But there are a lot of people that can do what I do that are like 22, 23, maybe. You know, they've got a lot longer to upskill to be marketable. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm on, I feel like I'm on a bit of a clock now where a lot of the people that are sort of big in their 40s as comedians, they've been on the circuit since their 20s. You know, they've yeah. done their time, they've paid their dues, they've been going for 10, 15 years. So, it does feel like there's a, a there's a countdown clock that is sort of chasing me <laughs> down. So yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself, I think, to try uh, and hit some kind of form before yeah. I sort of... My shelf life is completely up before I have to start actually lying about my age.
3: <laughs> 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 I, I, I feel exactly the same. Do you do that thing where you're like people that you like or even people that like maybe not aren't for you, but, like, they're well-known and stuff. And you, like, go on their Wikipedia and check their age. I'm like, well, when did they... Oh, they got that TV gig Oh, shit, they're really young then. Oh, but then they didn't do that till that age. Just like sort of comparing ages with, with your yeah. journey.
0: And then people start talking about, like, Alan Rickman and, like, actors that have gone into into things late in life like oh they didn't even do it like olivia coleman used to be a cleaner and now look at her it's like yeah but i'm not a character actor mm-hmm. with a, a line into peep show am i i'm like a pr person that did a course to get over a fear of public speaking and it escalated way beyond anything i expected <laughs> so slightly different scenarios really and i guess um, The PR job has been brill, because obviously I kind of know how to package things and you've you've got a certain, I guess there's a certain polish to it, but that's a bit of a poison chalice as well, because I think a lot of, there's some speculation that it's a lot of my sort of quite limited success, but it feels quite quick to, I guess, people outside is hype based (laughs) rather than talent. And um, I kind of agree. So I'm just
3: <laughs> really i don't think so at all i i think if you're doing well that you you have you have to have something there that's working for you i don't think yeah. you can and you've been going a few years as well i don't think you can keep that sustained through just life. you know you're not the but
0: yeah so it'll be three years next week i did my first ever gig um having accidentally done uh 24-hour show with Mark Watson <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It's, I'm one of those people it's weird because you know you everybody knows someone who knows someone who had like a tweet that changed their life it's yeah. one of those sort of urban legends isn't it it's like oh I tweeted my favorite um pop star and now we're dating it's that kind of vibe <laughs> but it's so I tweeted that I'd done this stand-up comedy course to get over fear of public speaking I was like I'm not quite over it yet but I'm sort of Interested in maybe giving open miking a try. So I threw it out into the universe. So I tweeted about it once and I put one thing on Facebook. No one came back with anything useful. So I was like, well, I've done all I can, haven't I? That's it. I've, I've literally, I'm that's <laughs> all I can do. I put it out there. Nothing came back. I'll just put this idea to bed. And then Mark Watson saw my tweet and was doing a 26.2 hour show for charity to mimic a marathon. And he tweeted me back and said, do you want to learn stand-up comedy and get over your fear of public speaking for charity with us at the Pleasance? Now, (laughs) Mark Watson has been one of my favorite comedians for about, well, as long as I can remember comedy, really. I used to go and watch him at the Glee Club in Cardiff when I was about 19. So I, I had to say yes, even though it was like the scariest thing ever to consider getting up in front of people, not even people just like People that I really respected, because typically yeah. it's a proper tour de force of like really cool, famous and alternative comedy names in these shows. I've watched them as an audience member, but I was like, nah, I've got I've got to say yes to this and I've gotta to, got to make it work. And uh, yeah, it was it was the start of something quite special for me. So or because I tweeted, like it, it happens, it's worth being on there. I know it's a cesspit, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes it comes good.
3: <laughs> well that um because I think that idea of like my wife and I do it at the end of every year. Well, actually, I haven't recently, but used to like sit in bed (laughs) and say like, what do you want to do next year? What do you want to achieve? And like say it out loud, that kind of thing. And there's a whole theory, isn't there? Like putting stuff into the ether and saying it will come back. And I think I sort of like 99% think that's probably bullshit. Um, But yours (laughs) is an example of it actually working. Like genuinely, that's what you did. You sort of put it out there into the ether. And it came back. So I guess there is some kind of truth behind it. It's
0: like, yeah, did I manifest it? Am I Noel Edmonds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> did Noel Edmonds invent manifesting then?
0: I don't think, I think he might have drawn light to it. It was like, what is it? Like astral listing or some, it felt like hokum yeah, when what, I read it. What
2: happened to Noel Edmonds?
0: But he, he Came up with that concept, didn't yeah. they? The, the boxes game, or well,
2: Deal or No Deal, Deal or well, No Deal, yeah. And yeah. then so um,
0: that that kind of brought him back into yeah, pop did. culture, didn't was it? Was that was that, that
2: before or after the cosmic stuff?
0: Um, I think he might have asked the universe for that, so I guess that's a proof point it itself.
3: Wow. I'd forgotten about the cosmic stuff completely, but yeah, yeah. Do you think he did he manifest Mr Blobby? Did that come some sort of uh, some sort of like
2: weird fever? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I I something happened to him to come up with Mr. Blobby. So yeah. we can
2: rule it I, out. I, I, this I'm is not sure we can
0: came... <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah,
2: I'm not um I'm not sure we can give Noel so much credit for all these wonderful inventions like Mr. Blobby and Deal or No Deal. I'm not sure. I'm not I mean we'll give him manifesting, but the other ones I'm not sure about. Okay. Yeah, I'm on his Wikipedia well, page. All well, the be awards
0: honest. in points. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> my
3: Wikipedia tabs are brilliant already. I've got Yeti Mike open. Uh, I've been looking at Butlin's <laughs> red coats on eBay to see how much they're worth, and there's none there actually. So, well, you can't buy a now. red coat. No, you can buy um, bears. You can buy signature books. People that have had their signature books from Butlin signed for sixty quid, but I don't. I think they're they're really really old, um, with no particular famous names. Bill Tenick. Charlie Martin are these well-known performers I'm really showing my age now I don't, might, I don't might know be. um and then bears will look like all sort of like creepy old bears are wearing red coats for 10 quid so what? it's not looking not looking good
0: Creepy old beers, beers, not bears from the Happy Mondays. So yeah, I was mind, thinking
2: you were saying bears as well. <laughs> I
0: thought you said bears. bears, and I was like, "Creepy old bears." So I was like, "What do we call it, creepy?" No,
2: if you, buy, out, but... if
0: you could buy, if
2: you could buy a
3: toy of bears in a red coat off eBay, I mean, I'd, I'd be all over that. People and be would amazing. buy that. People would yeah. definitely buy
0: that. Let's make no, that bears. thing.
2: I'd like, yeah, I think yeah. be I was more... like,
0: "What would his talent have been as a red coat? What would he do?" <laughs> well, clearly <laughs> dancing.
2: Um... <The> dancing
0: <laughs> is enthusiastic, but yeah. it's it's not. It's not the work of a qualified man, is it? I don't think he's had any <laughs> he's formal not training. training. No, no, definitely no. not any formal
3: training. <laughs> 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 Unless taking loads of drugs,
2: which is formal training maybe, part of the, part of the journey. Yeah,
0: he manifested it and and, then, <laughs> yeah. and thus it was so. Um.
2: <laughs> Going back to the, the public speaking thing, did you? was that through work or something? Was that something that you, obviously it was a personal kind of, you wanted some personal growth in that area. But was it to do with work? Was it to be more dynamic in meetings? What, what was what was it? What was the th- sole purpose, I guess, to start with?
0: Final thing, because um, I was I was a, a show off child to the point where my parents were proud, but also I think embarrassed by me in that way that you are when you know you've got a little precocious brat. Tour de force of a person. I have so one, I used yeah. to put on my own shows when I was like seven or eight, and I i would like write the shows, I'd star in the shows, I'd do all the marketing material for the shows, I'd go flyering <laughs> up and down my street and yeah. would bully, by virtue of being a small child, would bully the neighbors to come to these shows and pay the ticket price because you can't say no to seven year olds, a pushy little seven year old. You charged a oh, ticket hello, price. Hello, Linwin, mm. what are you doing? Three pounds for this sum or one quid. show of The Ugly Duckling. Yes. Hmm? I know. I charge that now for work in progress for like real. <laughs>
3: yeah, real <exactly>. <laughs> yeah. This
0: is just me with like paper a dress made a paper dress with feathers glued onto it, um, emoting. Um, <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff I used to do all the time. Like I also I'd be brilliant on the Apprentice. So I also did a raffle as part of that specific run. <laughs> The Ugly Duckling Run, I did a raffle where my mum gave me £5 to buy prizes and the top prize, I decided to take a cut of the money myself. Nice. The top prize was a bag of Jelly Babies and the second prize was some chewing gum and the raffle tickets were a pound.
2: Jesus. (laughs) Wow. Wow.
0: And just for the extra, just for the extra um, little knob of a child, I um, drew my own ticket and won the prize. So um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've won the Jetty Babies and some tinker. <laughs> what a surprise! So,
0: I don't, I don't know how I got because like, I did GCSE drama as well and like really enjoyed the practical. At some point, I don't remember anything particularly happening to me. So it wasn't like I did a full Judy Finnegan and like my bra fell out on national television or anything. I don't remember any particular moment where I lost confidence yeah it kind of developed over time and it went from oh I'm a bit nervous about this to my eyelid would twitch like I'd feel physically sick at the thought of even standing up in a meeting in front of like eight people and my job's a lot of presentation so that is um that was a little bit of a problem like I get through it I'd get through it if I had to make a presentation and usually people would be like, oh, that was really fun because something would switch on in my brain. But what I couldn't tell them is what I'd said probably didn't correlate to what I had to say. Like I didn't get through my points or refer to my slides at all. I just sort of went into some kind of like white noise space and just went (laughs) there. And um, I started to get invited to conferences to speak because I was a woman working in tech. So... Mm. I worked in affiliate marketing for a while. I worked in cars, so I was one of the few speakers on like mobile phones. So from a press point of view, I was like quite a leading female speaker on things that are typically male dominated. And obviously, the good thing is there's a lot more push to try and balance out panels. So now, in a panel of five straight white men, they will put one lady, and uh, I feel progress. Come. sales. Yeah. And feel yeah. really great about it. And they would ask, you know, they were asking me to be that lady. And I was saying no. And then I was going to these panel shows and seeing that there weren't any women on and going, Oh, what if we're all saying no, we can't oh, all yeah. say no. Yeah. And then yeah. bitch about it together at the back of the room. I have to do something about this. So I signed up to do a half day comedy course whilst I was drunk on new year. <laughs> it was like, it was like stand up for, um, like basically for business. So it's like, for any aspect of your life. So if you wanted to learn a bit about stand-up or you just wanted to be a more, bit more confident, it was like a half-day session with a not-for-profit called Funny Women run by Lynn Parker. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just quietly revolutionary. It was really weird. It just flicked a switch in my mind. Like it didn't switch anything off, but some, it was, It felt a lot of it felt like common sense, but sometimes you just need somebody else to say it back to you for it to stick. So I came out of that feeling like it was something that I could overcome
2: yeah what were some of the exercises sorry sorry jim i was gonna say what were some of the i was interested to know what some of the exercises were in that course
0: well yeah my favorite one so we all went around you know the classic go around in a circle and tell us something that you wouldn't know about you um just by looking at you so there are probably about 25 of us in the room and um the, the specifics of it was don't think about it like you just say what comes up in your mind don't prepare it don't think about it when it comes to you just say something and so we all went around in the circle and we, we said things and then the next section of that task was right now we're going to go through this again and you have to pretend you're the person that went before you, and you have to tell me everything you can remember about what they said, and obviously wow, <laughs> none of us knew because we were all so focused and obsessed on what we were going to say mm, that yeah. no one had listened to a bloody word anybody else had said, so it was yeah. like, I think her name's Sarah <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, yeah, the point was made it was about active listening, and basically you wouldn't be able to get yourself into the lather that we'd all got ourselves into. Stressing out about what we had to say. If we were actually present in the room, listening to other people, riffing off them, yeah, like life would be a lot easier. And that was the first time I'd ever really thought about that. And I was like, God, how much if I miss going to these meetings, going to these conferences, just looking at my paper, getting myself in a proper little stress? Like, I've missed quite a lot. And I'm better in meetings for it now because I do actually pay attention. But
3: <laughs> don't <laughs> but tell are... my
0: bosses, I'm always paying attention.
3: <laughs> we'll cut that bit, we'll cut it, it's fine. Um
0: leave, leave it in. I don't care.
3: <laughs> uh... There is a sort of liberation, isn't there, to also just saying the first thing that comes to your mind as well, yeah. and and not having to overly prepare. And I'm bad at that. at Gigs actually, I like looking at my notes and stuff. And actually, sometimes you go on stage and it's more freeing if you just sort of chat, chat to the audience, or talk, or see what comes to your mind and stuff. But there I'll is do the definitely the prep for
0: that, though. I guess like you have to start with I to your know where I'm coming scripted from. bit, so you know that you can get yeah. back on track. So yeah, I think yeah. there's a there's a mixture of both. Like you've got to yeah. know your material. Sometimes you see people go out and just completely wing it, and you're like, oh
3: but is there are that, some people that can there are some i mean there's a few comedians yeah. on the circuit that really can and just like brilliant at that i've well, heard I that you know, know what? I'm i've enjoying.
0: heard that about michael mcintyre actually because really? um michael mcintyre i think he's much derided as a comedian because partly because we're all a bit jealous that he's been so successful <laughs> but yeah. people ask me what my ambition in comedy is and it's a really it's a basic one i want at least one thing that people can go away and maybe in like six months time they'll look at something differently and go That's what that comedian said. And I think Michael McIntyre does that on such a brilliant level where Mm. I find myself quoting him to people or in my own heads, Just like I can't see like a parasol on holiday without thinking about like his little (laughs) bit about it or someone overtaking you on the motorway. And I know it's like, oh, yeah, everyone can say it's just observation. Everybody can say what? what they've seen. But I just think there's such a beautiful skill in the simplicity of it. In making people think that you're talking to them, it's something Sean Walsh does really well as well. Yeah. You can feel like, I, I used to think his sets were like written for me. I was like, oh my God, how does he know? How does he know I do that? And it's like, it's so, it's so special. And that's that's the kind of vibe I want. I want people to feel like I'm connecting with them even if we're in a room of like 400. So. Yeah,
2: and I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a fat, big fan of Mark Maguitar. I think there's... It's horrible that there's this negativity about being likable. Like he's a likable person. An element of that,
0: and I guess maybe um, if they, people are having green room experiences that don't.
2: Yeah. Possibly. Yeah.
0: I I don't know.
2: Yeah. But
0: from what I've heard, someone told me that they saw him. They were a bit skeptical about him because he was just coming up. As a comedian, Mm. his name is being bandied about. And they saw him come and do a gig where he improvised the whole thing and people were hysterical. Like he did like 10 minutes on someone at the front's hat. And, (sighs) you know, it's that kind of skill. And so everybody I think who's worked with him at club level isn't surprised. Mm. But I guess it's easy to see it, it felt overnight, even though it probably wasn't overnight. Yeah, there was no. a lot of work. And there's a lot of natural skill because there's some stuff you can't teach, but a lot of work would have gone into that as well. Yeah, because so. I think,
2: I, I think I'm, going back to him, I think I'd saw him on some raw variety thing, which was like, I don't know, in the mid-naughties. So it's been, you know, I think it has taken him a while, but, yeah, I guess because he become a kind of, I guess that um, early evening kind of entertainment thing, it does get sort of, like you say, derided slightly, which is a bit unfair, I think. Um,
0: yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, it's not always true i don't love all the sort of crowd pleasers. i'm not going to name names because um i don't want to get in trouble no. but...
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah it's not always true but i think he's got a real warmth about him as well genuinely mm. that's the i used to watch his clips on youtube like they were the kind i could watch like hours of it and i they... it was kind of clips like i'd send to people i go oh dad this is you yeah or, you yeah, know... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And i think i love that and i think i'm kind of pitched because it's weird because I'm massive. I'm a massive alternative comedy fan. Like I love alternative comedy more than life, but it's just it's not who I am and it's not how I write. And it that's that will never not be a disappointment to me because <laughs> <laughs> like Andrew Neil's one of my favourite comedians. I went to their show yeah. and they genuinely like they articulated things like that are quite dry topics, things like veganism and sustainability, in a way that genuinely has changed my behaviours. Like mm. how? Like it was mm. hilariously funny, but there's a the thing about how many mugs you've got in your cupboard. And every time I open my cupboard, I'm like, fuck, that's a lot of mugs. I don't need these <laughs> mugs. I have got a favorite mug. What? Like
2: <laughs>
0: I just wish I had that. I just wish I had that kind of skill to, to present something in a kind of a weird and alternative way. And it's yeah, but I'm kind of knowingly a bit middle of the road. And I think this is this is sort of one of my insecurities, I guess, as a comedian. I was saying again, I was saying this to a friend. I don't know if I'll ever be anybody's favourite on a bill. And I think I have to come to terms with that. (laughs) (laughs) You
3: you don't, you won't, that's a very, that's a a big leap to make. You, you You don't know that. You don't know who's in the audience. You don't know...
0: I'm never Who's my favourite. Yeah. You'll watch me. you'll absolutely smash, and you'll be like... Because there's a new comedian, um, relatively new, called Dan Tienan, and he's just been nominated for Best Newcomer at the Chortle Awards. And I remember the first time I saw him, and I went away, like, giddy from seeing him because it was such a high-octane set. It was so well-written. It was so unusual that I just... I was excited on his behalf. I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see what happens next to this guy. And he's just gone yeah. from strength to strength. And like. Gotta be lovely to be someone who had that. And I don't think but you don't that's... know who.
3: I mean, I think <laughs> I think all comedians have that. We all sort of like play ourselves down a bit. But I think you don't you don't know who's going to gone away from gigs. You've been at that where, where your material has just been at the right time, right moment, right pitch for them at that moment. And they went away thinking, oh, it's exactly how I feel about stuff or, or I had similar experiences. And I think and they might not tell you about it. You know, we all go on Twitter after gigs and I like, see if anyone's tweeted or stuff, or whatever. But yeah, like, just you don't.
0: Through, it's just like, no, come on, no, nothing
3: really. No, nothing? come Three... on, for a come week? On. Oh, Okay, well, I've done five gigs this week. Okay, cool. Well, that's depressing. Um...
0: It's the only woman on the bill. At least tell me I was rubbish and women aren't funny. <laughs> Recognize right, give me
3: something. Give me something. <laughs> but you don't know. You just, you know, I'm. Uh, you just don't know who's in the audience or who's there, and 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 yeah. I'm sure there are people that have come away from all comedians' gigs and connected to something and gone away and thought about it or quoted it the next day or texted a mate or something. Um, so,
0: wouldn't you? And I think that is the beauty. Like, like I said, like the representation is getting slightly better for women. It's still absolutely extraordinary how many all-male lineups are just being tabled over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I know that good female comedians are out there. <laughs> I oh, know yeah. we're out there. We meet each other occasionally when there's two women on the bill. And... <laughs> Yeah. i know there is an active effort to try but um the responsibility on that at a big gig when you are the only woman on the bill it's just like you don't want to walk, people to walk away and go well it's like i thought women women mm. aren't funny so you feel like you carry the weight yeah. of all women on yeah. bills like that and um yeah it's, it's a strange one it's a strange especially
3: one. when a lot of the bills have uh be careful here but like quite mediocre performing white blokes of which, little, yeah, which just, i am one of them of which i'm probably one of them you know there's,
0: there's, there's a lot of there's a market for that style of comedian because i did a big club gig recently and the feedback was like yeah we'll see you again in a year maybe because uh, <laughs> my joke count isn't very high And that's the thing because I'm a storyteller Mm. and that suits gigs where people, like, are proper comedy fans and that is a style that they love. And, like, when you're on a bill with someone like Mark Watson, who's quite long-form, for example, you know, the people that love that love that and they'll come with you. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if the laugh is, like, 40 seconds in, Mm, but with those big club gigs where it might be people who are out on a stag night people who are just having a night out but they're not really comedy fans and they only ever watch like kevin yeah. bishop yeah. and and they just they just want that they want that stuff they they you know they, it's class the classic stuff and you hear people laughing about things it's like are we still laughing about yeah. that are we yeah. still still making fun of fat people are we is that a yeah. thing we're still doing but you see the audience response to it and you go I guess it works. I would never do it, but I see the market is there. If people want to speak to that market, it's not not for me. But yeah, yeah, I think club comedy is quite an interesting one for that. And I think there's a lot more nuance to women's material. And again, there's that vibe that if you're talking about women's things, they're not general appeal. Like the notion that men can't just sit through maybe one joke about periods and it's not for them and it's ruined their night, which I don't (laughs) think is true. But... I did, I, funny enough, I did a, I did a poll because um, my friend is uh, runs a research agency and I did a poll, a poll in lockdown to see who thought women were funny and who didn't. And um, the data came out that most men would say male comedians were the funniest, but also a lot of women agreed. So they'd say the funniest person in their life was like their dad. And like, no one's putting their female friends at the top of the list. And when you see... You know, I don't want to be an apologist for how TV shows and panel shows are booked. When you see data like that, because a lot of them are data-led because they want the most views possible for the advertising revenue. When you see data like that, where both men and women say they, they'd rather see men, hmm. it's a predicament, isn't it? So I think we just need to be all be a bit more open to, like, everybody can be funny and all yeah. we'll start putting our money where our mouths are and if you see female comedy nights all female lineups where it's heralded yeah, all yeah. female lineups a lot of the times it's may, it's mainly women in the audience the same with like women in business conferences it's not a comedy thing uh, a yeah. conference that's mainly women will attract mainly female delegates and the people that are there we already know
1: <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> no
0: one is learning anything in that room that like about the universe like the universality and like what resonates with men women and non-gender conforming people like we're already bought in so if you're a woman audience member at an all-female comedy night you're the person that doesn't learn anything she's like yeah i already knew this woman great yeah. so yeah. it's 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 a problem that because obviously i work in marketing and pr as well it's an interesting problem to solve and i don't know who's responsible for solving it because it feels like it's going to require quite a seismic shift in public sentiment because yeah. nobody wants to put on a gig like, oh, it's an all female lineup. Nobody wants to put on a gig and then have it half full. So that's not fun mm. for the lineup. That's not good for revenue. It's so I, I don't I don't know where the changes need to be <laughs> for this does... to be better. <laughs>
3: so does it, it take it takes like if there's an all female lineup, it takes like blokes who would normally go and see something as saying, right, right, tonight we're gonna go and see this all female lineup and like tell their mates about it and tweet about it and stuff. And so there's a bit more, I guess, n- noise around it and then. Yeah.
0: And it's like yeah, it's okay. See that. It's okay to go to this. We're yeah. not just going to talk about periods. That you know we, well, also, we like also, the same stuff, guys. But also, if you yeah. so will you like, be all right. You'll be all right because we're going to explain it to you. We will. We will contextualize. The yeah, thing. exactly. And like, it will we'll, be we'll funny. Get, we'll all and learn like, something about each other, and it will be funny.
3: Yeah. And funny is funny. Like it doesn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, bottom, the bottom line is funny is funny, and and <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, that is really like, interesting about the data driven stuff. And you're completely right, and I can see why now tv bookers book the way they do and stuff like that and, they, and even promoters with club gigs and stuff
1: but
0: yeah it's just yeah. you know because there's a lot of hack stuff about like women how emotional women are it's like it's not and this is why i love podcasts like yours like it's not okay for men to be emotional it's like without someone going oh are you on yes. your period it's like yeah. no i'm not angry with you because i'm on my period that might be why i've just told you to your face but the <laughs> fact remains you're an asshole um, yeah. you're
3: like...
0: <laughs> it's not why we all have hormones it's not just that's not exclusive to women but it's just yes and see
3: that guy who's like having a fight down the pub car park he's emotional by the way that's yeah yeah that is that that is playing
0: out in a slightly (laughs) different way but ultimately he's he's not all right (laughs) ask if he's okay ask if he's okay so yeah it's really interesting like that's why i love rich wilson's podcast as well and saying the membrane because it, it's nice to hear those topics discussed yeah. and it's nice to have male comedians who talk about that who bring it who, who bring the topics to the stage as well and sort of highlight these things and we do need that i think i think we do it's there's it's sad but we do need so, i guess men to get behind and validate these these female comedians these non-binary comedians these are worth your time like yeah. make the time to go and see them and you see people doing good work in it but you know, to get to equality, I think you do have to over-index for a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Until it becomes equal. And that's the thing. You'll hear that argument when you're like, oh, well, this isn't fixing it. An all-female lineup. what? Well, well, that's excluding men, isn't it? It's like, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need to over-correct. Yeah, absolutely. To hit, yeah, yeah. to hit the middle, to come to the average. That's... That's just the nature of it. And it's brilliant yeah. to see more disabled comedians getting spots on panels. And, like, I do not... That's not a spot that they're taking from me. That is a spot they richly deserve. And I would love to see an all-disabled lineup, just because I'm like, yeah, brilliant. You yeah. exist. There needs to be more accessibility. The reason we're not seeing more of them is people who are physically disabled. Open mic venues are not fit
3: no. for that.
0: Yeah. A lot yeah. of them are upstairs, downstairs. They're in basements. They're in attics. They're Disabled people can't even come to a lot of comedy gigs and that's something like sophie hogan's doing a lot of good work on that in trying to yeah. find venues that are accessible that have gender neutral toilets but you these places don't always exist but we need more people doing more of that because you're not going to see these voices we're not going to see more sort of we're not going to see more diverse acts if they're not getting booked yeah. and progressing because there's one slot for them so you're not going to see the rich variants of it. Same with women. It's same with anybody who's who comes from a more diverse background. Maybe we do need these gigs. We do need these, like, showcase gigs because... How do you progress? Because it is—it's graft. It's so competitive. There are—you could kind of make your own open mic circuit. If you're just a normal like white middle class person, you can rattle around the open mic circuit, and you'll be busy every night. You might not be successful, but you'll be—you'll be busy every night. If you are like the median person, human being in Britain, but it's so much harder for everybody else. So. Yeah. It's, yeah and it's yeah it's 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 weird it's weird and competitive and it's a it's a strange thing to come into as an adult I think okay. as like yeah. a, somebody who's like 35 like to see this because sometimes it feels like you're in a big sixth form
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Has it been a bit of a baptism of fire to a certain extent?
0: I've never known such a supportive community, though, I've got to say. Like, and the ladder comes down, like, at every opportunity. I don't think I've ever approached any, like, proper established comedian asked for something reasonable and they've, they've not come back and replied or offered advice but in in the spirit of I don't know if I'm telling you something you already know it's it's never patronizing so I think the ladder is is thrown down more regularly in comedy than I've seen in any other sector so obviously mm. I've worked in quite male-dominated sectors so automotive finance tech it is yeah it it's been really refreshing and inspirational and yeah it's exciting it's exciting and then when you see these people break through the nice people that have been kind yeah. to you you yeah. see them start to rise like esta is a good example of that she's absolutely brilliant and she's getting going from strength to strength she's on live with and it was just so exciting to see you know some people who just work hard and deserve it actually get the recognition it it gives you a bit of hope
3: so yeah well it's nice what it's nice to see nice people doing well like yeah. that's just that's just a nice feeling well, and people do are... get
0: behind it in comedy in a way that again you don't necessarily see in other industries so Pope Lonergan's book is coming out and people are like really pushing they're like this is a brilliant book you should read it everyone's just really proud they're proud that the book exists they're proud of him because he's a great guy he's really funny and he deserves it and you see that a lot you see a lot of people lifting each other up and it's yeah,
2: it's quite
3: special. I think. Uh, but I, I mean, when I started comedy. I, I I did worry that maybe it was an industry full of just like narcissists and like you know the not mentally nice ill people and <laughs> <the> mentally ill. <laughs> Again, of which I am one. Um,
0: same. But <laughs> um,
3: actually, no. I have met some. I've met some amazing people. Well, I met my wife through comedy because we did the same oh. comedy course back in the day. So that was which comedy um,
0: course. That's awesome.
3: We did Logan Murray's uh, amusement. Oh, I've done that one. The, um, yeah the black heart in camden um which weirdly i was near on wednesdays so i took a little photo from around i was like remember remember this place not a romantic venue to be fair at all but uh was the first place we we met it's too trendy it's just too trendy um so, but and i have but i have met some brilliant people through comedy and there, are, and there are lots of nice people i think i think you know i think comedy probably attracts mostly sort of oh am i gonna get political here yeah um Sort of left, lefty-leaning, emotional sort of people, I guess, um, which is my my people. Um, <laughs> so, and I think people that do people that go into comedy, I think, do see the good in people. I think and and, and want. It's a weird one because you want you want people to succeed because you want it to create a supportive, nice industry, but you also want yeah. yourself to succeed as well. So you hope of that's course. what comes back as well. And I think it does if you put kindness out there. Then I think it does come back. But yeah, I just remember back in the day when I first first started. Th- slightly nervous about it but it was it was pleasingly surprising actually that there are a lot of nice people in the industry
0: <laughs> well i guess everyone yeah, be a surprise yeah
2: well it's a, <laughs> it's quite a vulnerable thing to do isn't it you put yourself on stage and expressing yourself and it could be personal things you're talking about as well a lot of times so it's a very vulnerable thing to go and put yourself up for it
0: is you are testing how much people like you <laughs> effectively and some people hide behind a bit more of a character but ultimately you know it, you can't not take it personally on a bad night where you feel like you've done all you can even though you know it goes into the heads of people that you can't control maybe they've had a bad day yeah. maybe something has resonated really badly you you never know what kind of culture you're walking into so it is, it's a high stakes game as someone who is as anxious as I am and as people pleasing as I am I am astonished that this is what I choose to do in my life <laughs>
3: Same. <laughs> and I, and I would say numerous <laughs> times a week, or depending on how many times I'm kicking, I'm sat there thinking, why the fuck am I doing this to myself? Yeah. Why am I- so here? I choose
0: to do this. Yeah. I choose to do this. I hosted a stag party show on the weekends. Oh. And as a 37-year-old woman, you do not envision a scenario where you are having to say to a man that you've just met who's also in their 30s, please do not shit in that bin. oh god it's like again i was i traveled for like three hours to get there and i was like i've chosen this it's not here i could walk away i could get up at any time and go this isn't for me um they do not value my professionalism why am i still doing this but i i battled through it because i just i don't know what it is yeah because you do you just get through it. it's like well we're here now um i guess we'll make it work um but yeah that was a weird day, <laughs> 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 a weird hour of my life. Yeah, that is. And a I was weird with thing. another comedian as well, a male comedian, and these stags not only were what well, they exactly think of a stereotypical stag party. It was them, mm. but alongside the you know the calls of getting your cock out, there was also they oh. started to ship me and this other comedian, and so interspersed with the cocks out, cocks out, it was like. Kiss her, kiss her, kiss her. Oh, I, I just like, I guess they need to express themselves some way, but what a weirdly wholesome heckle. <laughs> like, they're like, these guys are clearly getting on. You should give her a kiss. Just give her a kiss on the cheek. Like, as we left, that was what they said. They're like, just give her a little kiss now for us. It's like, why? <laughs> what yeah. the, why do you want that? What's wrong with you? <laughs>
3: the male psyche is an absolute fucking mess, isn't it? It's just it bizarre, really is. Like, it, was just so, it was
0: so weird. I was like, what? what what could you possibly get from that but they were really bought into the idea of me and this male comedian like getting together so. maybe
3: they just like grew up on blind date and they, were, they just yeah. love the idea of pairing people off
0: is just... that what they thought the concept of the show was who knows
3: <laughs> maybe like i thought added bonus <laughs> at the end of the show yeah. we had a good time and we've match made as well what, yeah. a lo- what a lovely evening
0: like in their minds they were forging an unbreakable bonds between us <laughs> through trauma <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a book in this I think one of us should write a book about this
3: uh, <laughs> stag do I mean stag do's are the uh, they're the, the biggest nightmare oh, they're, they?
2: they're horrible to be on as well oh, like, as, a, as, a, yeah. as a non-drinker as a <laughs> no non-d- one
0: likes it no one was no. enjoying it there was this one guy yeah. jay who was he drank like five pints in my company i was only with him for an hour and he was weeping into the last one he didn't want it he didn't want it and i was deaf the more i tried to defend jay against the the pint that he was challenged to drink the more they wanted him to drink it obviously so i couldn't help him there was nothing i could do for him but I was like i just he looked Aww. at me and he looked so sad yes. like, save me
2: <laughs> save me now like, or kill I me i don't
0: know how to help you jay i'm really <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> but, but, that, yeah, but yeah it's that, but, but feral. it's just like under what circumstance other circumstance would you do that
3: like it's no, genuinely it's abuse I,
0: it's it's feral and like yeah. i don't think any of them are that are those people so they say life by virtue of the fact that the, the king stag was obviously marrying a, what she looked like a nice woman um like mm. he, well, he could possibly conduct himself like that in in polite company the
3: woman the the bride i heard
0: really nice stuff about her from the other stags Mm. like like, what what makes men get together and become the worst version of themselves
2: the last stag night i went on um because i don't drink so i'm teetotal (laughs) oh god um and um yeah it was just we we they booked a medieval banquet which sure which which made it even worse because you they were just like oh, they were just just being so horrible to the staff and everything it was just really gross Um, yeah and
0: and that was another thing that I hated they were shouting at the lady landlady they were just like screaming at her and they thought they were being funny and like we're in some kind of carry on situation but I was like this woman is just at work she did not need this today technically so was I but I feel like I had a slightly bigger insight into how my night was (laughs) going to go than poor old Jane did
2: (laughs) well I I ended up going because we yeah the waitress that was doing with our table, I just went and apologised said, I'm so sorry for these people. Yeah. Um, that Did they pick medieval? Because I felt like they could then, like, there was no excuse. for. Well, they ended up barbaric. Like, oh, it was so horrible because they did end up having a food fight. Um, oh, for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, it was just, you know, and I, I I was just quite happy to just eat my meal. Um, <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, this is a lovely, lovely... Um, Lamb shank or whatever you're on there, you're you supposed to throw it halfway across the venue. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was there for, wasn't there for eating, Come on. Um, but, um, I mean, bless him, the the, the, the groom, he's he's a, one of my best mates, he's lovely. And I think he was, you know, I think he was fairly embarrassed afterwards, but yeah, it was just some of his mates were just there's also that pressure if you don't drink or choose not to drink or you're driving or
3: whatever, then people start doing that. Why are you not drinking? Yeah, oh, I got that Why are you not drinking? Go on, have a drink. Have a drink. So oh, all night. No, I don't want to drink for whatever reason. It's my, my reason.
2: Yeah. That's that sort Did of like weird. You have to weird... explain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's not that's not <laughs> nice either. No, but funny, I will think I just think, just changing the subject slightly, it, we were talk, obviously talking about opportunities and stuff, and I was thinking podcasts, and I remember when we had um, – Deborah Francis White on and we we're talking about um, obviously The Guilty Feminist and how popular that's been and saying so that there is obviously a massive appetite for female comedy out there, you know, huge download numbers and stuff and obviously you've got your podcast and it's an opportunity for you to have oh, upcoming... people listen to yeah. that,
0: yeah. Literally, tens. they do.
2: They no hundreds. Oh, I love your podcast, but I'm just I'm saying no. But it's an opportunity. It. So yeah.
0: uh, if it was tens, I wouldn't bother. I'm, <laughs> I'm genuinely. I'm somebody who like fails fast, and you know it's like learn quickly. and fail fast. I'm like, well, fuck this. Um, <laughs> exactly
1: uh, exactly exactly again,
0: again, which is how I don't understand how I, how comedy was the thing that stuck because I've done hobbies. I've tried hobbies: yep. mm, roller fine. derby, like the gym, running, things <laughs> were genuinely good for me, and what I've chosen to pursue at great expense and psychological cost is like the most ridiculously unstable mm. pursuit in the world yeah. but i love it it's like a true love like genuinely on valentine's day i tweeted about comedy <laughs> It was like everything about <laughs> it's me i'm in love with this like i yeah i, I just, think it
3: yeah I think you're right. It is a love because I wonder that as well. I, I'm I'm just someone that genuinely enjoys quitting things, and I don't know if it's just like oh, a, same. Or,
0: it's, liberating. A power... it's, almost...
3: it's liberating. It's like a power grab. Like I've decided to quit this. Fuck you. I'm in charge, kind of thing. <laughs> you should
0: and... see my CV. Get on LinkedIn. Yes, that I am very much.
3: <laughs> I used to like get jobs just so I could quit. Like six weeks later, just for like the power of just like yeah taking it back.
0: I think it's really important though. And I think it's really important um, to be able to quit things because that's sort of not in the DNA. Because I guess we're a similar bracket of life and our parents were like jobs for life people and to quit would be a weakness. And they had a work ethic. It was like, even if you're not feeling very well, you have to, you go, you go into work and you do your best and like quitting a job within a year was deemed quite flaky. Like, my parents have hated every time I'm like, oh, this is not for me. They're not respecting my boundaries. We we move on. Um, yeah. Genuinely, like, I've been advised against it at every single point I've wanted to leave a job where I'm, like, psych- psychologically, like, crawling. Yeah, just yeah. because it's like, oh, you might not be able to get another job. But I guess that is something that modern, modern workplace, you, you yeah. don't. There are enough jobs. Like, digital mm. has created yeah, millions yeah. of jobs that didn't exist before because the internet didn't exist. So... Yeah. There's always something else. And I guess I'm quite difficult to have in a business that relies on that work ethic because I'm very... Because of comedy, and I think this is another thing that massively changed my life and why comedy was the one that stuck, I was... Like, my job was all-consuming because I made it that. I made it. It was my personality. It was the people that I worked with. The people that I socialised with were by virtue of proximity. The people that I worked with and other people in PR. And, like, I was checking emails first thing in the morning i was checking emails on holiday Mm -hmm. and none of the places i've worked required that like i didn't work in government i worked at like cashback sites like (laughs) if that cashback deal did not go to the sun newspaper no one was gonna die in my head the anxiety of it and it just it was just all consuming it took up my whole headspace and having somewhere else to go that i wanted to go to made me manage my time differently. I was leaving on time. I was saying no to going to drinks with people yeah. at work who I didn't care about. Like, I didn't not like them or or hate them, but I wasn't that bothered about going to the pub with them, but I'd allow myself to sort of float along and maybe I'd spend 30 quid having drinks with people that I had an ambient connection yeah. with... I wasn't enjoying it and now I just yeah, I'm like well I've got a gig at seven thirty, so I, I've got to go and yeah. when I get to the gig I can't be checking my emails I, I get to be someone different and I'm associating with different people so if I am checking my emails people think I'm crazy they're like <laughs> does the work pay you for this I'm like no but it's, uh, uh. And like, <laughs> it's been really refreshing like it's completely broken a lot of what I thought was going to be my life I thought I was kind of locked onto this path I mm-hmm. thought I was quite you know, quite happy with. I I built it myself. I'd done 15 years in PR. I was like, this is for me. I'll slowly get more and more responsibility, slightly more money. My holidays will be slightly better because I'll earn slightly more money. And um, yeah, this came in just petrol bombs, everything really. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in the, right. in the best way, I don't know. Yeah. I would have told you when I was doing my jobs before that I would not have time to like do an evening class. And now I'm doing, I can do like four nights a week. Yeah and my full-time job and you do find the time and I hate tropes you know it's like oh do something you love and you'll find the time but it is true that's so <laughs> annoying <might> <laughs>
3: yeah. So
0: annoying, isn't it but yeah, it but yeah people are like how do you find the time it's like because I can't imagine not finding the time because I love this <laughs> this, yeah. this is what I want to yeah. get up in the morning and do so yeah yeah
3: but you're right about sort of like once you go to a gig and stuff you have you have to be present so yeah. you can't then and if everything else work-wise or anything else that you should or shouldn't be looking at does drop by the wayside because you have to be there in the moment and ready to your set and, and,
0: and no and one dies yourself. and no one has died anytime no. I've done that every time I did that and nothing bad happened there were no consequences yeah. to me putting my phone in my bag putting it you know in the loosely termed green room which
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is again some store cupboard or something it,
0: but yeah just it it sort of i built new pathways in my brain where i just thought yeah. is it and i started going okay is this reasonable do i need to do this now can i do it tomorrow and it just i started managing my time in a different way and then i built up a lot you know i've, I've built healthier boundaries with work yeah and that's something that I then try and pass on to like junior members of staff. And that's not always, <laughs> it's not, always that's not always. what businesses want or need, is it?
3: <laughs> I think they probably do need it. I think we don't want it, but I think they probably, I think they, they do. And I was going to say the word boundaries as well. So exactly what it sounds like you've created healthy boundaries, which I think anybody in any industry outside of, I guess, the emergency services um, can probably benefit from.
0: Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's uh, it, it was an interesting learning like quite later in life and I'm glad that I learned it, but now I'm a, an evangelist for it. So if a friend saying, oh, it's nine o'clock, and I'm still working, I'm like, why?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are they
0: paying mm-hmm. you for that? How many hours have you done this week? They stopped paying you Wednesday afternoon
3: yeah, have, it lose. yeah. Have, the com-
0: have the conversation i guess yeah. um, the beauty of working in like younger cooler companies like my current company is they they are happy to have that conversation they yeah. know it they anticipate it and it it makes me feel optimistic for the next sort of generation yeah. of people going into high pressure jobs in that hopefully they will make time for themselves before they sort of come to a breakdown point which i did a few years ago when i went freelance and it took me about six months to even start digging myself out of that because i just myself out
2: with it um, yeah, you, uh, yeah what were you doing yeah. you were just doing loads and loads of hours was that well
0: I I left a job. I was invited to leave a job. We'll say I've been Um,
2: invited to leave lots of jobs. (laughs) I
0: I accepted the invitation um, (laughs) in poor grace, but I accepted the invitation and um, I went freelance because everybody sells this, this dream, this notion that freelancing, working for yourself is like all pictures of people with the laptops on the beach. But for me, the stress of that, (laughs) not knowing where my, you know, not knowing that in six months time I will definitely be paid, Mm, not being paid for illness, not being paid for holidays. Day, the intensity of that anxiety like completely bowled over any sense of joy that I worked for myself. I was treating contracting work like I couldn't see it on a monthly basis like I would with a, a salary job because because I was being paid a day rate, I felt like I had to achieve something every day. Yeah. And yeah. the stress of that was insane. I just get to the end of the day and you could coast, you know, because some days you're really productive, some days you coast. And I never felt like I could coast. I always felt like I had to be, like, the best version of myself. And, yeah, it was... But when I said at the end, because I was, like, a shell, I was I was haggard with it. When I said at the end that I was going to stop freelancing and go back into a workplace, people spoke to me like I, like, failed or, like, I would misunderstood mm-hmm. it. And a lot of people were trying to sell it back to me. Like, no, no, the first six months is always hard. It's about to get really good. But to our point earlier, Jim, like, I'm not going to wait another six months for it to get good. I don't know how yeah. many... I don't know how many days I've got left in my life. No one does. So that just felt like too high a price to pay. But I'd lost a lot of confidence. Again, because I was holding myself to really high standards every day. And when I wasn't achieving anything, I was going home and giving myself an absolute kick in for it mentally. And then I was drinking quite heavily because I couldn't switch off because I was worried about three months time six months time a year's time tax things that I hadn't anticipated it's like all these extra things so then I was drinking a lot and obviously waking up not in a fit state to face a day Mm, like even a normal day let alone another high pressure day and I started to use alcohol as a bit of a crutch and I yeah it's like I reluctant to say it was like a huge problem because I did sort of dig myself out of it but it felt like a dependency like that first drink of the night just like because yeah. I needed to like be bonked on the head to switch off really yeah and um yeah that cumulatively then waking up the next day like not feeling very well not feeling fit for the day not being able to manage small tasks because when you're hung over you're not yeah. <laughs> you know even small things feel like tr- trees do feel like monsters and so I was yeah. in a really sort of bad way by the time I sort of limped into Uh, full-time job back in back in the service of the man
2: (laughs) (laughs) but having that structure and stuff was I needed it I
0: I needed it I didn't want to be my own HR person I Mm. couldn't be I just it wasn't for me but genuinely the the vibe from other people was it felt like a fail and they're like oh if anyone was going to make it as a freelancer we thought it would be you it felt like a natural progression I felt like I was failing them as much as I was failing myself because I hate to disappoint people and but yeah so it was it took me longer to break out of that than it should have because I kept letting people talk me into no it's about to get really good (laughs) it's it's, it's not for everyone it's not for everyone I think uh, we need to start having these conversations it's not the holy grail like for some people it's brilliant and they're the right type of person but I'm quite happy to someone else do the maths. Just you pay yeah, me yeah, at the yeah. end of the month. Yeah,
2: maths, my I... wife's exactly the same. She she <laughs> she she's a teacher, um, and yet yeah, she likes that structure of going to work and having that set hours and time. And you know, she's exactly the same. And and we've you know we've talked about it before. She's said she'd find it very difficult to work from home. You know, just because it's because it isn't unstructured, and she'd just be constantly like looking for other things to like spend and, around yeah. doing and stuff yeah it's just really hard
0: and I guess comedy is freelancing in a way but you you can do as much or as little as you want and because mm. I do have the day job I think it never feels too yeah. pressurised like some days I'll have a really busy day and I'll be like right I'm going to make a spreadsheet and um, then I'll never look at it
1: again yeah. uh, but... <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's something that's come up with a few guests recently, actually, who have got other jobs. And I think it's actually quite, for all of them, they've said it's really nice to have that other thing. So, yeah. one, they're not so reliant on, you know, desperately trying to make money from the thing, you know, their thing that they love. But, you know, just having that bit of structure as well um, is, is really important to them. So, yeah, I think, I think it's good. I mean, I, I'm sure Jim and I do regular work as well. I mean, I'm applying for full-time jobs literally right now.
3: Oh, I what always, are you going to do? just back, he, back well i haven't actually got a reply from any of them so currently i'm going to do literally rude. nothing because no one's replying um you tried tweeting
0: like, about it once i understand yeah. that is the most you can do i'll just tweet mark
3: watson he'll sort me out i'm sure at <laughs> watson find comedian <laughs> find him a, a job find him a job <laughs> he just finds a way to sort honestly out. the man
0: the man is a fixer like he's another one that i just like i i recognize a lot of myself in his traits and that he's always got 10 projects on the go at once and yeah. that is so me <laughs> <laughs> She's yeah. like, oh, yeah. I'm really busy. Yes, I would like to see a radio show. Mm, yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I think, yeah. like, the, it, it sounded like the, the people that were talking to you about freelance and stuff, like, like it sounded like that was their dream.
0: Yeah, and, they, and I you know think maybe I mean? they
3: wanted sort of to believe that was because yeah. they wanted to do it, maybe yeah.
2: and, and they're projecting a little bit take the on you, yeah. or whatever. Or
0: they're you're freelancing right of, and they're having a really hard time and they have to believe and having, that it's yeah, better.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like, exactly. But it's, it's it's not as everyone's
3: path is different, everyone's life is different, and that's just the way it goes. There is no one set thing for all of us. Also, you don't know what's gonna happen in the future. We don't know what's gonna happen in the future, sure. work wise and stuff. We might all have to be freelance at one point, we might all have to be full-time, we don't know. What's going to happen there? Um, but it's. I, I think. I think it's actually. I think you're a. It's a braver thing to go. You said earlier about quitting. You try something. It's not working. To go do you know what this isn't working for me. I'm going to go back to this. or I'm going to do something else. So that is a. Yeah, absolutely is no a shame in that. To, and carrying oh, on me. on something where it's making you ill, and it was making you ill, and I think that's a. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 you practice self care in that moment.
0: Too late though. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> No, because the worst thing was, it was, again, this is... When you put other people before you and I've learned the lesson, well, it's a lesson that I can't learn. i they keep the universe keeps trying to teach me it. um so I was at a job and I was having a brilliant time and I was loving it, and I felt really rewarded by it, but I felt like I needed another, another extra person on my team to manage the amount of work that I was doing, and I became quite deaverish about it, and I thought the good the the best thing I can do here, and you know again, this was like reading bad advice on the internet <laughs> was find another job. And then come back and negotiate. Because until oh. I'm prepared to walk away, they're not going to take my demands seriously. And yeah. um, so I found another job that I was prepared to do, but I really didn't. Uh, could have taken it or lived it, left it. And um, handed my notice in. It was accepted.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh, no.
0: <laughs> balls. Um, but basically, yeah. <laughs> my boss didn't believe me. So my boss had a real insight into what I was like. We worked quite closely together and we were quite similar people. So... We kind of played this long game effectively where two weeks before I was due to leave, and it was like a three-month notice period, two weeks before I was due to leave, he messaged me on Slack and was like, okay, fine. (laughs) Have what you want. We're in a we're in a standoff. He's like, you can have what you want, let's sit down and bet it tomorrow. And I was so worried that this job that I was going to had waited 10 weeks for me. Yeah. Uh, I walked away from a job that I absolutely loved when I got given exactly what I wanted because out of politeness, because I could not envision telling a stranger effectively that I didn't know that I didn't want to work there. I just, the idea of that made me want to like skin myself. So the most sensible thing for me in my mind, whatever was going on up there was to walk away from the job that I loved with the colleagues that I loved and a sense of satisfaction and everything that I asked for and go to a job that I never expected to have to do <laughs> and um, as you can imagine that did not go well um so yeah that was the job that I was invited to leave from and um the irony was I was going to extend my probation there because I was like this isn't for me and it, again it was making me ill it wasn't a job that I wanted to do but they of yeah. the expectation on it I wanted to do it because they wanted me to do it and I wanted to be I wanted to please them so yeah i i literally left the job that i loved out of politeness and i still wonder about that decision like that is one of the one of the, the one of those forks in the road yeah i like, mm. think will haunt me forever like what would have happened had i not done that like that whole chain of events like looking for another job could i be more of an adult about it and like given my view a bit more grown in a bit more of a grown-up manner i like, as you can imagine i've done a post-mortem of this for like the last yeah, yeah. five or six years uh, yeah but um... well, I guess like
3: these moments <laughs> give you a chance to reflect, don't they? Like, yeah. even if it doesn't go the way looking back, like you think it should have done, like it gives you a moment to reflect and ask yourself questions and maybe treat things differently in the f- future if you have a similar sort of thing. But I completely understand the idea of like not letting those new people down. I think I think I probably would have done the same. And yet, yeah, as you said earlier, if you had turned down that job, no one would have died. Like, no. it would have been they, no. would, they would have found someone on else their next like, list like, on the next yeah. list or something. Yeah.
0: But I guess yeah i'm quite uh, when i'm at my most mentally balanced i'm pretty pragmatic about it because yeah. every small decision led to where i am now yeah yeah i might not have done comedy and like that is unlocked something that i didn't know i could ever be part of and it's mm. still exhilarating to be doing it still every now and again i'll catch myself because if i told three years and two months ago me that this is where i'd be doing this um, I wouldn't have believed it. I would have backed a lottery win over that. Like, I genuinely thought it was completely, and, you know, I guess that's, I I love saying this to people because it. it's, like I said, I thought look, I was locked onto this path. I was doing well in a career that I liked. You just don't know what, it will happen next if you say yes to things that are a bit scary but you feel a bit excited by it. so if anyone who says they want to do stand-up or like oh i i thought about doing it i'm like give it a go answer the question yeah. answer it now don't answer yeah. it when you're 35 give yourself a bit of give yourself a bigger window uh, <laughs> but yeah i've been so surprised by life and like i wouldn't have traded any of those decisions as hard as they were to not end up here yeah yeah so but yes, that's not always true. Like I said, at my most mentally balanced, that's true. <laughs> but at 3 a.m. when I haven't slept for four nights and I'm like yeah. absolutely alive with anxiety, less, less pragmatic. Mm.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that time you really need to sleep but your brain is yeah. working through the hundred things. Uh, Remember when you, you sent that Valentine's things. card yeah. to that guy you
0: worked in Tesco with and you thought you were being really mysterious but you'd faintly written your name in pencil. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Thanks. Um, yeah, Paul Welsh's name was. I wonder what he's doing now. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) i can say that now because i'm actually doing you know you can google me i'm actually i'm doing all right yeah Yeah. i want to believe that paul welsh is wondering what vic slayton's doing now yeah uh, he is he
2: is who
0: who knew what would have happened if he'd responded to that valentine's card in the way that my 17 year old heart hoped he would
2: Uh, (laughs) <laughs> oh, Vix, it's been such a lovely conversation with you. Thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> I'm
0: such a huge so... fan of you both. This has, oh, been, a, this has been a proper you. drink thank and you. true. It's been, no, no,
2: brilliant. drink comes to yeah. each you want. It's real privilege. And, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we've been able to sort it out because I know we've been talking about it for ages. <laughs> um, and, yeah, these things sometimes take time. But, yeah, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you very thank much. Thank you.
3: have it, fixed Layton on The Blank Podcast. Brilliant guest. I would say Charles quite inspirational, really, in terms of the decisions she's made with going into comedy and um, how it's, uh, you know, she was telling us about the times when she was really sort of struggling mm. with work and stuff. And then she's made these bold decisions to sort of change her life. And she's ended up in this really supportive industry and and is doing something she loves so i think that really that's a lesson for all of us really that if if you feel like there's something you want to do or need to do you do it and see where it takes you and and, and you know she is a a good example of the benefits you can get from that so uh, yeah really up our street in terms of blank podcast yeah uh, themes absolutely perfect
2: yeah i love vic she's so great to talk to and um yeah i can see her career going upwards and upwards so it's really um, been it was really lovely to have her on the, the pod and yeah it was great for her to um feel comfortable enough to open up about some difficult times that she's had in recent years. And yeah, we really appreciate her doing that. And um, so, yeah, we just wish her all the best for the future. And I know she's going to have a fantastic career. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think,
3: um, you know, you make decisions in life sometimes and you might be a bit older. She talked about getting into comedy a bit older. I was a bit older getting into comedy as well, but do you know what? That things happen when they happen. And uh, we've both still got many, many years in the game, in the comedy game. So, and uh, yeah, she's really making waves as well in the industry at the moment. And all the stuff she's talking about with making uh, venues more inclusive and gigs more inclusive is absolutely bang on. And I think, you know, in a way, along with someone like Sophie Harkin, I think Vix will be sort of leading that way, hopefully. Yeah. I am actually, that's unfair because I don't want to put that pressure on her. Um, but the fact that she's even talking about it, yeah, um, I think it's hopefully making a change so uh, yeah someone that's really making waves in the industry
1: Yeah,
3: and it was uh, great everyone so do check out her Brighton Fringe show go and see her at the Edinburgh Fringe Come and see me at the Edinburgh Fringe as well if you're going up there although that's not till August and uh, yeah make sure she is someone that you get into your sphere because she's a positive energy and I think we all need that uh, right now absolutely and that's it that's the end of this week's podcast Giles thanks very much for I mean just being you I don't know why I say it because you know you know I love you
2: but I just I don't know well, I, I love you too at the end man. Of each episode. Yeah. yeah well likewise and um I'm excited because um we're going to go to the football together
3: yeah we are we're going to go yeah. and watch Palace
2: versus Everton so yeah in the, so the, in, in the FA Cup quarter final I know
3: we'll be yeah exactly and yeah. we'll be watching obviously the team that we love probably lose yeah. but it doesn't matter no, we're, we're, gonna we're, no, we're gonna win they, we're gonna win we're doing well at the moment and Everton's yeah. terrible at the moment so unless they sack their manager in the next uh, two weeks um hopefully we are okay but yeah, looking forward to that. That'd be great. Um, but that, anyway, our listeners, hope you're having a good time. I'm sure you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for all your tweets and book reviews and, and just getting in contact. We really appreciate it. We hope you have a wonderful week. We're back next week, of course, with another episode on The Bank Pod. But until then, take care. Look after yourselves. Enjoy your week. And we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye.